Welcome to a message of hope and good news for you. This is Give Me the Bible with Uncle Len. Stay with us, please. Hello, my radio friends. <clears throat> Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you've been finding these programs on Give Me the Bible interesting and helpful. I also hope that you've come to the conclusion that the only safe thing to base your faith on is the Bible. The Bible is the Word of God. God is its author, and I figure God knows what he's saying. Basing our faith and beliefs on tradition or the so-called revelations of the Spirit is dangerous, as you can never be sure if what you're hearing is actually from God or from some other source. God was wise enough to have the important things that we human beings should know be put in writing. And of course, that is in the Bible. Just because your mother or father followed a certain pattern in their lives does not mean that is right. Salvation is a personal matter. No human being can save you no matter how good or how kind they might be. It's between you and God. Because your parents had cholesterol-rich bacon and eggs for breakfast doesn't mean that you have to. Because your closest family likes staying up late at night watching television doesn't mean you have to. You need to find out what is best, what is right, and follow that course. You must live your own life and not be dictated to by others. If it's right, do it. If it's wrong, avoid it. This week we will be seeing what the Bible says about the Sabbath in the New Testament. I shared a couple of New Testament verses on this topic with you last week. By way of introduction, I want you to know that the seventh-day Sabbath is usually referred to as the Sabbath. As you might know, the word Sabbath means rest. Sometimes you will read the word Sabbath with the word A in front of it, like a Sabbath. Each Sabbath and every Sabbath. The Sabbath usually, the Sabbath I should say, usually refers to the seventh day Sabbath while a Sabbath or Sabbaths often refers to a holiday or holidays which is on a day or days other than the regularly, regular weekly Sabbath. As a role model for regulating our own lives, we would do no better than to follow the example of Jesus. Queen Elizabeth made it quite clear in her 2008 Christmas message, where she said, 
the world would do well to follow the example and teachings of Jesus Christ. So, what did Jesus do and what did he say about the Sabbath? What was his example? In the book of Luke, in the New Testament, chapter 4 and verse 16, it tells us quite clearly what Jesus did. It says, He, that is Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. That means it was his regular practice to go to church on the Sabbath. There are many verses in the Gospels which tell of where Jesus spent his Sabbaths and where he was teaching or worshipping. Where do you think it was? Yes, you've guessed it. It was at the synagogues. So, Jesus himself worshipped on the seventh day, the Sabbath. He kept the commandments of God. He is our example. On one occasion recorded in Luke chapter 13 and verse 10 and and uh, the following verses, it says, On a Sabbath Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. On that day Jesus healed the woman and he was then reprimanded by the Jews for healing. They said it was doing work on the Sabbath day. Jesus explained to them that their view of the Sabbath was too legalised, too restrictive. Their passion for keeping the day holy had overruled their compassion for other human beings who were sick or desperate. He summarised this in Matthew twelve twelve, where he said, It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. If you read the Gospels, you will see that most of Jesus' healing was performed on weekdays, but there were some notable exceptions where he healed on the Sabbath. Jesus did not break the Sabbath, but he did show the Jews that their hundreds of Sabbath rules were just too restrictive and bordered on the ridiculous. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23, we have an occasion where Jesus spoke very plainly to the Jewish leaders. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. You should have practised the latter without neglecting the former, you blind guides, 
You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Yes, the Sabbath was a day of worship, but there are situations where it is important to help someone in need. Do not get this wrong. By teaching and example, Jesus upheld the seventh-day Sabbath. On one occasion, the disciples came to Jesus and asked him a serious question in response to something Jesus said about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. This is recorded in Matthew chapter 24 and in Mark chapter 13. The disciples asked a double-barreled question. This is what it was. When will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus explained future events to them, events which did not occur while he was on earth. Looking into the future, he said how dreadful those times would be and then added, and this is in Matthew twenty four twenty. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. He was not talking about aeroplanes. He was talking about a time when people would need to run for their lives to escape the trouble they would experience if they stayed. And amongst all the hardships they would experience at that time, he hoped the people would not have the added hardship of winter or the need to do this when they should be worshipping and resting on the Sabbath. Now Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans in AD 70, many years after Jesus had gone back to heaven. People were still keeping the Sabbath then, and would be right through to the end of the world. Jesus never gave any instructions, or even hinted that the Sabbath, the day of worship, would be changed. Some people suggest that after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Sabbath was changed, isn't it rather strange that Jesus, who gave so much instruction about so many things, did not say anything about such a change? The reason he never said anything was that there was nothing to be said, as there was never to be a change. The man-made change came about contrary to the wishes of God, We'll talk more about that next week. At the end of each of the Gospels is recorded the events surrounding the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Interestingly, Jesus rested in the tomb over the Sabbath and the people concerned about his death also rested they did not embalm him during that day, nor even went to the tomb. This is pretty strong evidence that there was no authorised change 
and that the Sabbath remained special and sanctified and holy and blessed. You can read this for yourself in Matthew 28, Mark 15, Luke 23 and John 19. And these chapters are all close to the end of the Gospels. So it appears that the believers in the early Christian church kept the seventh day, what we currently call Saturday, as their holy day. But what did the other New Testament writers, the apostles, what did they do and what did they have to say about the subject? Was the Sabbath changed from the seventh day to the first day during their time? In the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 14, it speaks about the Apostle Paul and his missionary companions. This is what it says from Perga. They went to Pisidia, Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. And then later in verses 42 and 44, we read, As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the Sabbath. So the week went by, no special meeting, and then on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. You probably know that Paul, the Apostle Paul that is, was a missionary in southern Europe and the Middle East for quite some years and preached the good news of salvation in many areas. On another occasion, they were at the city of Philippi, which was a Roman colony, and where there was no Jewish synagogue. So Paul and his companions, and the Bible says this, On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. <clears throat> That's from Acts 16.13. On this occasion, as there was no church, they went into nature to find a secluded and pleasant place to worship and pray. From these two references, it's quite plain that it was the Apostle Paul's standard practice to worship on the seventh day. And we are going to take a short break and we'll be back in a minute.
Welcome back, listeners. As you probably heard at the beginning of the program, today we're considering what the New Testament has to say about the Sabbath. And just before the break, we finished off and um, saw what the Apostle Paul and some of his companions used to do. They would worship on the Sabbath day, but now we're going to look at what did the Apostle Paul say. If the Sabbath was to be changed, it is logical to assume that he, that is, the Apostle Paul, would have said something about it. If there was to be a change, that would also mean a change to the law, the Ten Commandments. In relation to that, Paul wrote, In Romans chapter 7 and verse 12, he says, So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and just, and good. And then in Romans chapter 3 and verse 31, he writes, Do we then nullify, that means to make it of no importance, Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. God forbid. Rather, we uphold the law. So, by his teaching and personal practice, the Apostle Paul kept the seventh-day Sabbath. I've read a book produced by a particular religious group where it says that after the crucifixion of Christ, the law, including the Sabbath commandment, was done away with. But later on, nine of the Ten Commandments were put back in place. This is nothing more than utter rubbish. Anyone who falls for this deception is either pretty foolish or quite simple. That teaching is not scriptural and is not supported by the word of God. It was set up as an excuse not to keep the Sabbath as God required. It's an idea cooked up by someone who had some preconceived ideas and wanted the theology to fit those ideas. What sort of God would write his holy laws in stone, then junk the whole lot of them, and then after that reinstate nine of them? That is certainly not the way God operates. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul wrote, Therefore, Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. He was saying here that we should not judge what others do and how they live their lives. We should not even allow ourselves to be judged. The point is, God is our judge. We are answerable to him. If we do what is right, there is no fear of punishment. And even if we do things differently or wrongly, 
It's not the place of other people to judge or condemn us. Now in the verse I just read, you will notice that it is called a Sabbath day and not the Sabbath day. It is referring to a special rest day, a holiday, and not the weekly Sabbath. We need to be aware that the early Christian church was made up of people from many nationalities. Some had holidays at certain times and others at other times. So Sabbaths in this context refers to these holidays, whatever they were. To put it into a modern setting, Christmas, Australia Day, Easter, the Queen's Birthday, the Adelaide Cup and Labor Day would all be called Sabbaths. There are all kinds of excuses people use to try to wriggle out of the obligation to keep the seventh day Sabbath, which remains part of God's holy law. Some say the law was abolished. Others say that only the fourth commandment is abolished. Some say that God gave the church authority to make the change. Some say any day is okay for worship as long it is uh, as long as it is at least one day out of seven. And others try to build a case around a misunderstanding of what the Bible says. <clears throat> In Acts chapter 20, verse 7 to 9, is recorded an event involving the Apostle Paul and a group of believers. It happened at Troas. Paul had a stopover on his sea journey from Philippi to Assos. It was a Sunday and they had a special meeting and had a meal as well. Here's what the verse says. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. As it happened, a young man named Eutychus, who must have been sitting in an upstairs window, became so sleepy, he went to sleep and fell down from the third story and died. The young man was raised to life. They had another meal and Paul continued talking until daybreak Monday morning, when he left to resume his trip. It must have been a fascinating meeting with this great missionary, the Apostle Paul telling of how God used him to begin new groups of believers in many places and about his adventures, his persecutions, his escapes from death and so on. I would have loved to have been there, except I can't understand a word of Greek. Nowhere is this special meeting referred to as the Sabbath. Nowhere is any hint that this meeting was held on a day to replace the Sabbath. It was simply a special meeting 
held in a time of opportunity when Paul could be off the ship for one day and could encourage the believers in Troas. There are some people who say this special meeting shows that the Sabbath was transferred to the first day of the week. People who use this passage of Scripture to try to prove that the Sabbath was changed to the first day of the week remind me of the characters in the poem The Wise Men and the Elephant by John Godfrey Sachs. They look at one little bit of what they regard as evidence and disregard everything else. I'll read the poem to you at the end. You need to look at as much evidence as possible to understand what the Bible actually says. Or, like the so-called wise men, you will end up with the wrong conclusions. The meeting at Troas was not an endorsement for making the first day of the week, Sunday, a holy Sabbath day. Finally for today, I want to share with you what the Bible says about what will happen after all things are made new. This is looking way into the future. And you'll find this text in Isaiah chapter 66, verses 22 and 23. Here's what it says. As the new heavens and the new earth I will make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. From one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. God has not authorised any change in the Sabbath. It is purely an invention of man. And next week I will share with you what actually happened and the reasoning behind it. People who keep the seventh-day Sabbath have been unkindly called legalists. But I want to remind you what the Apostle Peter said. He said it is better to obey God than man. I choose to obey God. What about you? Now, before we finish, I want to read this poem. It's, um, it's quite a smart poem, and it's about six blind men who came to examine an elephant, and each one came upon one part of the elephant and then declared that the elephant was like something or other without considering the rest of the elephant. So here we go, by John Godfrey Sachs. It was six men of Indostan, to learning much inclined, who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant, and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl, God bless me! but the elephant's very like a wall. 
The second feeling of the tusk cried, Ho, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp, to me tis mighty clear. This wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal, and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up and spake, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out an eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quoth he. Tis clear enough, the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth who chanced to touch the ear said, E'en the blindest man can tell you what this resembles most, deny the fact who can. This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Indostan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong. Though each was partly in the right, and all were in the wrong. Now I've read that to you to illustrate what what it's like when somebody takes a single verse from the Bible and tries to build a case um, around that verse. It's um, it's too shallow, too shallow thinking. What you need to do is to look at as many verses as you can before formulating any ideas. Well, friends, that's it for today. I hope you've enjoyed this presentation and I look forward to being with you again next week.